This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. And when you think of Old Testament prophets, think of men like Jeremiah. Do you remember what the other name of Jeremiah was? He had a little tag to his name. He was called the Weeping Prophet. And Jeremiah never saw a single convert in all of his ministry. All of his ministry. Now, put that in our Western culture. He would never be invited to any conventions to speak, okay? Uh, there's, there's no church that would invite him to a conference because, you know, that guy's doing nothing. His church is like, you know, there's like nobody. You may be out there listening today and be feeling down about not having converted anyone to the Lord. Maybe you're thinking that you're ineffective at sharing Jesus. In our study, we're starting on the Minor Prophets. Pastor David talks about Jeremiah. He was a pretty major prophet, however. He didn't know in his lifetime what his work did for the Lord. He never got to see the fruits of his labor. But we know that they were great fruits. Let that encourage you to keep on in your sharing. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Hosea, chapter 1, verse 1, for today's study. When you think about wanting to serve the Lord with, with like your whole life, okay, I just want to commit my life to the Lord in every aspect. And that's not necessarily in the, say, going into a full-time ministry, so to speak, but just in every aspect. Again, whether you drive a truck or drive nails, whether you sit at a desk or whether you're taking care of little ones at home, whatever the aspect might be, when you say, you know, I want my life to count wholly and completely for the Lord. I want every aspect of who I am to, to just permeate the very essence of Christ in my life. Well, it's that idea of, Lord, wherever you lead, I'll go, that sort of declaration. Well, the unfortunate thing that in our Western culture, you know, usually the idea is, is if you commit your life wholly and completely to the Lord, if you're willing to serve him in every aspect, in our particular culture, the unfortunate thing is most people think that, okay, if I do that, then surely God is going to bless my life, and for the most part, everything's going to go wonderful. That is the unfortunate reality that a lot of our Western thinking brings us. The unfortunate reality of that is that is not biblical, okay? And uh, again, you, all, all you have to do is stop and think for a minute. Stop and think about the situation of the, the apostles as they faithfully served the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them were beheaded, some of them were stoned, they were imprisoned, all kinds of things. Think of the, the first century believers, Again, uh, imprisoned, thrown uh, to wild animals, all kinds of things. Lost family, uh, lost lives, all kinds of things. Lost their homes, it, all these things. But I'm serving the Lord, and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it with a, with a whole heart. And everything that I am, I want to serve Him, and I want to be obedient. And my life is falling apart. Does that happen to anybody still today? I think that it does. And, and I think really, when, when, when we look at the truth of what, the Bible shows with that. No, now listen, understand. I understand that there's great blessings in serving the Lord. There's great blessings just in obedience. You know, the obedience, I, I tell you guys often that obedience has its own blessings because, again, not only does it give you a clear conscience before man, but it gives you a clear conscience before God. So obedience itself has its own blessings. But when we start thinking about believers that are in the third world countries that are, again, wanting to serve the Lord, desiring to, to love Him with everything, their life is not necessarily easy. 
And even still, they're being in prison. Their uh, uh, lives are being threatened. All these kinds of things. The problem is, is, in our Western culture, we have a pretty skewed version of what it means to follow Jesus. Jesus' command to us was, forsake everything and follow me. I think it was Jesus that said, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be willing to leave father and mother and sister and brother. You've got to be willing to do that. I think it was Jesus that said something along the line of, you've got to be willing to die daily taking up your cross if you're going to follow me. Now, I think that's right, isn't it? And yet, why does our culture flip that all the way around? And we can hear it on TV, we can hear it on radio, we can hear it from many pulpits you know, all across the nation and in the Western culture. That, hey, if you really have faith, if you really believe, then everything's going to be wonderful and beautiful. And, you know, your, your toast is always going to fall butter side up, you know, so if, if you just are serving the Lord. Think about the prophets of old. Most of them were not welcomed, okay? Because for the most part, their, their message was so convicting. Sometimes it was to the secular leaders, to the kings and the leaders of the region. Sometimes it was to the religious leaders. And sometimes it was to the people. And many times it was to all three of them. So the message came out to the kings, to the priests, as, as well as the people. Then their message usually was the fact that, you know, you guys are messing up so bad, God's going to bring judgment on you. So why don't you turn and come back and serve him so you don't face the judgment of God. And because they would be those kinds of men that would speak the truth and speak it forcefully and directly, then many times they would find themselves in trouble. As a matter of fact, Jesus spoke about the fact that Israel, were they were the people that stoned the prophets. They were the ones that imprisoned many that were telling the truth, and all these kinds of things. The Old Testament prophets, they never studied that course about how to win friends and influence people, apparently, because that, that, was, not their, that was not their way of life. And when you think of Old Testament prophets, think of men like Jeremiah. Do you remember what the other name of Jeremiah was? He had a little tag to his name. He was called the weeping prophet. And Jeremiah never saw a single convert in all of his ministry. All of his ministry. Now, put that in our Western culture. He would never be invited to any conventions to speak, okay? Uh, there's, there's no church that would invite him to a conference because, you know, that guy's doing nothing. His church is like, you know, there's like nobody at his church. And uh, so that kind of an aspect, because he would speak the truth, and yet the people weren't repentant and they weren't turning. As we get into our study of the minor prophets, and that's where we're at right now. So if you like, take your Bible and open it up like to the middle, and that's like the book of Psalms, and then head east for a few books, and you'll come to like the books of Daniel and uh, Isaiah, Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. Then you get to Hosea right after Daniel. That's the beginning of the minor prophets. That's where we're at tonight. For these prophets, and we shared last week, they're not called minor because they're of less importance. They're called minor simply because the books are shorter. They didn't write as much as the major prophets. But their message, I believe, was just as powerful. And at times, you think, uh, man, it's, it's packed in there, uh, smaller. And it really, with, with fewer words, they're saying as powerful, if not more powerful, things. And that... I believe that that fits very well with the, the book of Hosea where we're going to be tonight. They had to speak hard things to hard-hearted people. Now, 
when I look at the church today, and I'll just say the church in general, okay, so we don't feel too uncomfortable sitting here tonight, okay? The church in general, the church in general wants to be comfortable. The church in general, again, doesn't want to be pressed. The church in general does not want to go out of their comfort zone. Much about what we spoke about on Sunday, again, those convenient Christians. The unfortunate reality is many within the church today, that's exactly where they're at. If we're to take these Old Testament prophecies and look at them in the context of which they're written, and they're written either to the the northern kingdom Israel or the southern kingdom Judah. In some cases, they speak to both of them. If we understand that they are speaking in general to God's people, then we can take that word, and now we can plant it in, in into us as the church. Say, okay, how does that that was written some uh, you know 2,700 years ago, how does that fit me today? Well, I think it can fit us really well. Even within, okay, I'll bring it home. Even within Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande, there's going to be some people, probably not our Wednesday night crowd. I know you guys aren't the one, right? Right? Preaching through the choir here. Uh, but there are people that are within, yeah, even our fellowship. They want their Christianity in easy doses. Uh, I, someone gave a message a few years ago, and, and I love it. And it, The title of it, if I remember it correctly, was, uh, I'll have $2 worth of God, please. Enough to get the blessings, but not to get the convictions. Uh, enough to give the, the, the covering, but not a commitment. So, yeah, I think even within our fellowship, and that's why even, okay, sometimes even in my life, I'll have days. I'll have moments in days like that. I don't want to be pushed out of that. I don't want to go beyond that. So yeah, it speaks to me too. And I hope it speaks to every one of us tonight. When we think about the book of Hosea in particular, Hosea was written primarily to the northern kingdom, the people uh, that they called Israel. Now, Judah later on also adapts the name of Israel, but when we're speaking of Israel and Judah, just think of it, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom during this time. Hosea is written primarily to the northern kingdom, to the people of Israel. And when most people look at the book of Hosea, at least in, in kind, of a, uh, oh, kind of a light way, not a very deep way, a surface way, they usually look at the book of Hosea as being a book of doom and gloom, okay? Because there's a, there's a lot of things that are said in the book of Hosea against the people of Israel about the judgment of God and that how they need to turn. Otherwise, the judgment of God is going to come down on them like a hammer. But the, there, there's actually another side to the book of Hosea, and that's what I want to make sure and bring out as we study this to, tonight and, and probably next week also, that not only is it doom and gloom, but there's also a lot of faithfulness and hope that's found in God. In the midst of this, in the midst of God's bringing these accusations and declarations against Israel, we also see all through it God's willingness to reach out his hand and says, "What if you'll come back to me, if, you, if you'll just turn, man, I want to pour my blessing out on you. And that's the thing that we need to realize today in every aspect of our lives. When we fail in our life, when we stumble in our lives, okay, when we sin, either knowingly or unknowingly, the enemy comes to us and says, don't go back to God. You've, you've failed already. 
You, you need to move away. And yet God says, no, come back to me. That's why I try to encourage folks as I counsel them. Net, if you fall, make sure you fall forward. Fall forward and keep moving toward the Lord, even in your failings. And I believe that that's what the book of Hosea is saying. In the midst of our failures, God is still faithful. And the word tells us that, that when we're unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot and will not deny himself. So throughout Hosea, we see this warning of the fall and absolute and utter destruction of Israel. And that actually will come about because they continued to live, in essence, uh, uh, in adultery against God. God whom they, in a, in a symbolic sense, were, were literally wed to. They were his people. And that message, yet, of, of faithfulness of God kept coming to them that, listen, there was hope if they would turn. So I believe that that message is needed today. I believe that it's needed today in, in the church as much as anywhere. Now, we can say we, we need this message in our nation, and that's absolutely true. But the fact is, is if it ain't happening in the church, folks, it ain't going to happen in the nation. After all, the Word of God says that judgment first comes to the house of God. And I believe that God speaks to us as, as the church. Our nation is, has been blessed. I believe I shared this last week, uh, that our nation has been blessed because the church for so many years was, was strong and powerful within our culture. But as the church, again, becomes more uh, anemic and we're not uh, as strong as we used to be because we're not as faithful as we used to be then the nation, unfortunately, is suffering because of that. One more thing before we get into this. I believe that the church has become weak because of weak and popular preaching. When there's weak and popular preaching, the church doors may bulge because of the masses of the people, but the strength of the church isn't there. And again, I, I don't know about you, but I need my toes stepped on quite regularly. I, I, I need to be redirected and, and refocused and said, hey, no, here's the way. Walk you in it. What are you doing over there? You need to be walking over here. Why is your mind going over there? Your mind needs to be brought back over to here. So that's why even I, yeah, I'll listen to other preachers and I, I get convicted. I get instructed and encouraged also, but man, I get convicted also when I see it. And that's why the strength of the power of the Word of God working within the people of God is what's really going to make the church who the church needs to be. But when the church just wants to be comfortable, then they're not going to go to and keep coming to a place where they're not feeling real comfortable here. I want to go and I want to have fun. I want to enjoy my time. Well, I want to enjoy our time too. I want to enjoy the fellowship and the sweetness, but I also want to hear the depth of God's word, not just the cotton candy surface, okay? So, here we go. Now, one thing I won't, I won't do to you, and how many of you have seen that video of the uh, pastor that just went ballistic over his church and his people? Oh, man, we ought to make that available on our website or something. This guy goes off. I mean, totally off. Somebody went to sleep in his church, and, uh, uh, man, he railed him right from the uh, uh, pulpit. If, if you're, like, really tired 
and you need to go to sleep, that's okay. I won't bother you. Uh, maybe, that's, maybe that's the most spiritual thing you can do tonight, and I'm not worried about that, okay? And then, uh, man, he, he, some guy, a couple comes in and says, and, and you, I'm supposed to be marrying you guys, and I don't even see you. I haven't seen you for months, and now here you come. You expect me to marry you and from the pulpit, and he's naming the name of the guy in the sound booth and all kinds of stuff. And I'm thinking, this guy's got issues, issues. That's not what I'm talking about here, okay? I want the Word and the Spirit of God to be the convictor, not, not the Word of man. Okay. Hosea. Hopefully by now you've found the book of Hosea. We're going to begin at a good spot, at the beginning. Okay. Hosea chapter 1, verse 1. The Word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beeri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. There's so much that we don't know about Hosea. There's, there's a lot of things about his background that we have absolutely no clue. Okay, he is the, the son of Beeri, and well, we really don't know who Beeri is. And you can read one commentator from another, and they say, well, it's probably this guy or this guy, or maybe it's this family or that family. They, we really don't know. But you know what I found out? It just doesn't matter. Number one, your pedigree does not matter. Do you know that? Your pedigree does not matter. It's what you're doing right now, who your father is, who your heavenly father is. That's the important thing. We can discern the time of his ministry. The time of his ministry is around the, the mid-700 B.C. to about 720s B.C. So during that time. So about 720 to 750 years before Christ. Okay, so here is his word that the Lord gives him in verse 2. He says in verse 2, When the Lord began to speak by Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. Now, I told you that uh, tonight's message might be like a little uh, PG-13 rated or, or wherever, because again, when we look at what God is telling Hosea to do, to either go and marry a woman who is already a prostitute, or it's someone who is going to be given to prostitution. And that, you, know, you think, okay, Lord, I'm praying for my wife. Lord, I want a godly woman. I want a woman who, man, we can just follow you and everything. And Lord, I know that's what you're going to give me. Wrong answer, Hosea. I want you to go marry a woman given to harlotry. Yikes. Lord, I want to follow you wherever you want me to go. Okay, well, here's the deal, Hosea. Are you ready to follow me wherever I want you to go? What a unique calling he has. A lot of the prophets, they were given visions. Just give me a vision, Lord. Let me marry a godly woman, okay? Uh, give me a vision. Give me a word just to speak. No, Hosea, I want your life to be symbolic of what's going on with Israel. Or tells him, go get a wife. Usually a good thing. But for Hosea, it wasn't such a good thing. Verse 3 says, So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibleam, and she conceived and bore him a son. So one of the things we do know, just because of the wording and all, is that this son, and I believe the, the daughter and the other son, I believe that these are all uh, Hosea's children, okay? I don't believe that they were conceived out of wedlock. I believe that they were Hosea's children. It says in verse 4, Then the Lord said to him, 
Call his name Jezreel, for in a little while I will avenge the bloodshed of Jezreel on the house of Jehu and bring an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the valley of Jezreel. Well, again, we don't know a whole lot about Gomer. Again, the idea, was she a prostitute before or after? We don't know. The way that it's worded, we could consider the fact that she was already a prostitute. But whatever way that she came, we find a little bit later in the story even, that even after they're married, she is out with her lovers. And actually, Hosea has to come and literally buy her back. But uh, we'll look at that a little bit later. But the word's very clear here. She bears him a son. The name of the son is Jezreel. And Jezreel actually comes from Israel's history. Uh, and we can spend some time, we'll, we'll look at a little bit of it, but right now if you remember the story, think of King Ahab. Think of Naboth's vineyard. Uh, he had a neighbor by the name of Naboth, and, and Ahab was kind of a whiny guy anyway. And he finds out that Naboth has this really nice vineyard. It's right up against the palace. And Ahab, the king, goes to Naboth and says, Hey, would you give me your vineyard? I'd trade you for another vineyard. And Naboth says, No, I kind of like my vineyard. And then he says, Well, I'll give you a lot of money for your vineyard. And Naboth says, No, I don't need any money. I'm fine. I like my vineyard. I'm, I'm fine. Thank you very much much. And so Ahab, instead of manning up on the thing, he goes in and starts whining and gets all depressed and and pouty and everything. And then his wife, Queen Jezebel, comes in and says, Ahab, what's the matter with you? Why are you so down and and, and whiny and all depressed? She says, well, Naboth wouldn't, I I like his vineyard over there and he wouldn't sell me his vineyard. So my life is ruined. And so what Jezebel does, she decides, well, we'll have a big party. We'll put Naboth our neighbor and like the head place there in this big party and then once he's there we'll bring in those that will accuse him of speaking and saying blasphemy against god and against the king well naboth had done none of that and yet it was at that point at the party the guys come up and said hey we heard this this and this they took naboth out and they stoned him now that it was Jezebel, the judgment of God came upon them because of that. We, we read that. Actually, I want you to do that if you would. Go back to First uh, Kings, okay? You've got to hopscotch over, over uh, Psalms and get over to First Kings. In First Kings chapter 21, because the Lord's going to bring condemnation onto Ahab and Jezebel, okay? In chapter 21... They actually took him out. So the uh, in verse uh, 11, the men of the city and the elders, nobles who were inhabitants of this city, did as Jezebel had sent them, as it's written in the letters which she had sent to them. Oh, they proclaimed the feast and all. And then they took him out. Skip on down, verse 14. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And it came to pass, when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. And so it was, when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up, went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. It's this whole idea of the valley of Jezreel, and that's where this, where the Lord tells Hosea to name this son. Now, down in verse 27 of this same passage here in, in 1 Kings 21, 
So it was, uh, the Lord's going to bring some, again, judgment against him. Let's see, verse 25, back up to verse 25. There was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. And he behaved very abominably in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. And so it was when Ahab heard these words that he tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his body, and fasted and laid in sackcloth and went in mourning because he was going to have judgment upon, uh, God was going to bring judgment upon him. Verse 28, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me because he has humbled himself before before me, I will not bring calamity in his days. In the days of his son, though, I will bring the calamity on his house. In these perilous times that we live in, how can we know for sure what is to come? The 12 minor prophets highlight many future events that will bolster our faith as we study them. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to the Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to the Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com. Click on the podcast option on the homepage or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. 9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard the open word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you.